Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God, our Father, and from our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our Christmas Day text are those words from St. John, the first chapter. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So far, our text. Dear friends in our Lord on this Christmas Day, Merry Christmas. I know it's been said many times and in many ways as that Christmas song goes. And many ways is right. And we've got the stats to back it up too. Because the U.S. Census Bureau reported that last year we Americans sent 100, rather 1.9 billion Christmas cards. One of the chief ways that we do exchange our Merry Christmas greetings and sentiments with one another. 1.9 billion of them we sent. That's saying Merry Christmas in many ways. The magnitude of that figure, 1.9 billion, makes Christmas the largest card-giving and card-sharing occasion in the United States, of course, to the glee and content satisfaction of commercial card manufacturers. At 1.9 billion, that's quite a few more cards sent than the mere 2,050 commercial Christmas cards first printed and first sent out in 1843 in London, England. Cards upon which was, were depicted of a family, a family with a small child all gathered around the table drinking wine, all of them, a rather controversial start to the card-giving and now conventional tradition. These days our Christmas cards usually don't depict children imbibing, but, but they do so often contain those sacred images that we heard of last night, the sacred images of the silent night, holy night, in that little town of Bethlehem away in a manger. The, our Christmas cards, they so often contain the sacred references to the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes or the peace on earth and goodwill toward men that comes through that Christ child. So many of our 1.9 billion Cards sent, they even cite the very words, don't they? The very scriptural phrases from Matthew's or from Luke's, especially from Luke's account of the Nativity. But in all of the Christmas cards sent, how many do you suppose, how many have you seen that have ever borne these biblical words of the Christ? If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But thy will, O Father, be done. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Not the words one might expect to see on a Christmas card. I've never seen them on a Christmas card. But these words, those prayerful words of Jesus Christ, uttered in the Garden of Gethsemane, on the brink of his passion, they're words not entirely out of place for a Christmas card. For you see, as, as today we consider those soaring Spirit-inspired words of St. John. Those Christmas words that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. As we consider them, we're impelled to note this about those words. They report to us a result. That the eternal Logos, that the eternal Word who was in the beginning with God, as we heard, who Himself was God, that He became our flesh is a result. And indeed, the only possible redeeming result. 
of the intersection of two trajectories, that of man's sinful condition being intersected by God's loving compassion for him. The crossroads of the cosmos meet in the manger, where God and fleshed lies sleeping. For if God was going to rescue man, this was the only way. And so, as John reports, in the unique and the personal union of God and man, God enfleshed, came to his own. In the only possible way that he could come to redeem his own flesh, but his own did not receive him. Christmas's greatest tragedy, his own did not receive him. It's not, mind you, it's not that mankind has le- was left to, to pine and hope that God would come to enlighten his darkness. The light has come into the world. It's not that man is left by exhibition of his own will or his own work or his own strength to convince God that God should come. God has come. Enjoy to the world for it. But Christmas's greatest tragedy is that the light has come into the world. God in flesh has come to his own, but men, they love the darkness. And so they received him not. In the almost 20 centuries since John first took up pen in hand to script our Christmas text, things haven't changed. Natural man is still natural man. He still insists. He still insists upon finding his own way out of the dark. And sin's darkened condition is real, and we all know it to be real. For how many newly vacant seats are there this year at Christmas dinner? As a a result of sin's condition upon us in our lives, how how many loved ones will no longer contribute and and be a part of our Christmas's present and future? Because they've now joined the ever-multiplying number of, of those who belong to our Christmas's past. How many of us are facing medical uncertainties this Christmas that leave us wondering where we might be? next Christmas or in two Christmases from now? How many Christmas days or how many Christmas eves are marked above an underlying tangible tension generated by our hurtful words or things inconsiderately or wrongly insisted upon? How many Throughout the world this Christmas, though inundated by the world around with a compulsion toward festivities, how many yet grope in the spiritual darkness this Christmas for the real substance behind the season? Sin's dark power still destroys. It destroys families, it destroys health, it destroys life. See how far... The curse is found. And yet man, as natural man always has, he tries to wend his own way out of the darkness. And I can imagine John with that pen in hand, scratching on parchment with that pen in his ink, the, the words that we heard earlier today, and doing so with a heavy heart. When he wrote, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, he wrote, but of God. Words I can imagine that John inscribed with a heavy heart because John knew well 
How mankind, receiving not the one delivered and born unto us, but how man will try and he'll fruitlessly try to reach unto him. By the will of man, we do try, don't we? Through those so-called enlightening philosophies that would have us gaze into the heavens above or peer into ourselves. By the will of the flesh, we try. As one through his best life lived, or his most positive thoughts, thought or deeds done for another, will try to direct his own days and his own ways, not only in this world here below, but straight into heaven he will. Even by being of the blood, even by being of the blood of a certain people, some try. As sadly, there's trust in lineage more than the Lord whose day Abraham rejoiced to see and he saw it and was glad. You see, if there had been another way, the cup of the cross imbibed by the grown Christ child could have and would have passed from him. If man could have worked his way into heaven, there'd be no need for a cross. If man could have introspectively thought his way into heaven, what need would there be for Christmas? There was but one way. One way alone. God in the flesh. Martin Luther explains why. The only possible way for God to save man was for God to become man. And he says this. He says, we Christians must know that if God is not in the scale to give it weight, our side of the scale, it would sink to the ground. What I mean is this. He says, if it cannot be said that God and not a mere man dies for us, then we're lost. But if God's death... And a God who has died is in the balance. His side goes down and ours snaps up as though it were light and empty. But he adds this, he could not be in the scale without becoming man like us so that we could speak of God's dying, God's suffering, God's blood, God's death. For God in his own nature, he says, can't die. But now since God and man are united in one person. The death of the man with whom God is one thing or person is justly called the death of God. There, you see, friends, there in the Christmas manger, lay still and sleeping, the result of God's compassion intersecting by design with man's fallen condition, there in the arms of his virgin mother rests the single and solitary touch point between the sphere of God's holiness and the realm of man's lowliness. Unwilling to let mankind be what mankind had become, in the fullness of time God sent forth his Son and the Word became our flesh and dwelt among us. John Donne, that English poet, a human, mind you, once considered that very fact that God in the flesh has come to dwell among us humans. And so he wrote this. He said, and dwelt among us. And this means so much. It was much that man was made like God before 
but that God should be made like man much more. That God should be a man much more. Consider this Christmas Day the words of the writer to the Hebrews. How much more than the angels, how much more than any creatures, how uniquely yours, humans all, God has become in your brother of the flesh, Jesus Christ. Here's what the writer of the Hebrews says. He says, he himself, likewise, Jesus, shared in the same flesh and blood that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does help the children of Abraham who are such by faith. Therefore, he says, in all things, he had to be. He had to be made like his brethren to make propitiation for the sins of the people. It was the only way. How much more that God's Son should become man's flesh and blood. Don't for a second, though, fall prey to the notion that's out there that God's Son didn't know what he was getting into when into the flesh he came. Don't believe the latest heresy, and perhaps you've heard it out there, that charges that historic Christianity is is in praise of divine child abuse, that God the Father would kill his Son. No, listen to his Son who said, greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends, and you, he said, are my friends. Listen to his son who said, I lay down my life, and no one takes it from me, but I lay it down myself. No, friends, no one dearly wanted more that first Christmas and the cross it promised than God. No one wanted it more than Jesus Christ. You only need to look in the manger to know that. It pleased him well. Speaking of it pleasing him, over 150 years ago, the famous composer, Lutheran composer, by the way, Felix Mendelssohn, wrote to some English publishers of his on a particular translation of a a set of words that had been placed with a particular piece of music that he'd written, Festgesang. Mendelssohn wrote in the letter, he wrote this, I think there ought to be other words to verse 2. If the right ones, if the right words are hit at, he said, I'm sure that the piece will be very much liked by the singers and by the hearers. A few years later, an organist named William Cummings found those right words for Mendelssohn's piece, and he married Mendelssohn's melody with those, with those particular words, words written over a century before by theologian and, and hymnist Charles Wesley. The hymn, this marriage of word and, and Mendelssohn's music, the hymn began this way. Hark the herald angels sing. Mr. Mendelssohn was right. Mendelssohn was right. The people loved it. And we still do. And what we can treasure highest today is the truth that we sing in those words of that hymn, particularly, ironically, in the second verse. When we sing that God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, God's not begrudgingly present here with us. Christ isn't wishing that he hadn't come. He's not regretting that he did come, not at all. But here's what we sing. 
that he's pleased. He's pleased as man with man to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. God with us and pleased to be so in the flesh. God with us not only in the manger long ago, not only on the cross where God and sinners were reconciled, but now in the place where you'll find him born unto you today, carried unto you today, in his word and baptismal water, indeed in his very flesh, in his blood in the supper, for those brothers of his in the flesh. He's pleased to be among us still, the only touch point still between God and sinners reconciled as faithfully Jesus, our Emmanuel, visits us with his grace upon grace. Like wave upon ocean wave washing inexhaustibly upon the ocean's shore. Pleased to dwell with us undoing sin's curse far as that curse is found. The Word became flesh. It was the only way. But God would have it no other way. Pleased as man, with man to dwell, thanks be to God, this Christmas day for Jesus, our Emmanuel.